Hey, and welcome back to New Recording. I'm your host, Pola. I think about how, since I started this show and interviewing other people about their voice memos, how I, myself, don't really do it as much. These show intros are probably the closest I come to documenting. Will you indulge me for a moment? So it's been a while, and there's been a whole host of changes in my life, Um, but I am sorry for the hiatus. I've been pondering a lot about how my thinking has evolved around change, how it used to be something that I had the agency to enact. Lately, it just feels like something I've been surrendering to. My life today is vastly different from how it was the last time I put out an episode. But one update that I'll share willingly, tenderly, is that New Recording recently became an affiliate of Newtown Radio. Yes, so for those who have been paying close attention, I have mixes that go along with each pod. From now on, you can catch each episode debut on Newtown Radio, in addition to living on all the current platforms. Really happy to be joining the Newtown fam and excited to be in community with the other creatives there. (sighs) Okay, finally, on to today's episode. Aidy Robertson is an interdisciplinary artist whose work is meditation on symbolism and texture. Synthesizing performance and installation, her work melds vibration and technicolor visions through paintings, video, and melodic compositions. Every single thing Aidy said was brilliant, and I feel really lucky to share her work with you. Keep listening. Thank you to Scope of Work for sponsoring this episode, and thank you for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to New Recording. I'm your host, Pola. I'm really excited to be in the studio today with a very special guest, the third in my uh, little LA lineup tour that I've been doing while I've been here. Um, Aidy, it's so great to have you. Thanks for having me. Would you be willing to introduce yourself um, in whatever capacity you sort of see fit? Okay, I'm Aidy Robertson. I'm an interdisciplinary artist and I'm based in Los Angeles. Um, and I've been here for five years, but I've also lived in Oakland and New Orleans and I'm from Florida. So it seems like you've led sort of somewhat of a nomadic lifestyle. Has that been sort of like life circumstances or would you say that you're someone who likes to move around by design I think because like I was born in Florida and then shortly after I was born I was in New York my mom's from New York my grandmother's from Jamaica Jamaica I think there's like a um a migratory like kind of energy that's just always been in my life like I lived in Germany when I was five years old like four to five I think um And so I think I'm just used to, like, the longest place I lived was Florida when I was, like, from seven years old to 14. I lived in Florida, like, for that chunk of time. But I've, like, yeah, I just kind of naturally am in movement. Yeah, I I definitely relate to that. And it's interesting to think about in terms of energy and, like, 
when you sort of like inherit this legacy of migration, both of my parents are also immigrants. And before we started talking and before I read like a little bit more about your work, I never thought about um, that like tendency or maybe influence as being something that you can inherit. Mm -hmm. Um, But it it helped me like connect a lot of dots for me about, you know, why, (laughs) where does this... um, comfort or maybe ease with which I can sort of jump around or like be constantly in motion coming from and Mm -hmm. um, connecting it to the legacies of um, my parents having like completely shuffled their lives around from continent to continent was really eye-opening yeah Um, well how are you feeling today what's your day been like it's been good I, I have really long mornings where I drink like Five different liquids, <laughs> like I juice, water, tea. Yes, exactly. Green juice, it's like green juice, water, tea. I had a, a club mate too. Ooh, mate. Because yeah, I don't. My mom's coffee. from Argentina. Oh, okay. So you know. Um, yeah, <laughs> club mate. I am like obsessed with, and there's only a few places you can get it here. Um, oh, you have to put me on. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. The first time I had it, I was like in Germany because that was at a time when it was like only in Europe. Like, yeah, weirdly too, a lot of Argentinian. Well, I know there's a lot of German immigrants to Argentina, but I'm sure there's like a mix yeah. there happening as well. A bit a bit of exchange. Okay, well, I'm so, so happy to have you here. I know we sort of became acquainted through a couple of different connections, mm-hmm. one of which um, is For Freedoms, which uh, is this organization that I used to work for. AD recently did a mural campaign with them. Um, how was that experience uh, of working with Four Freedoms and um, like materializing that mural, which I went to go see, by the way. It's beautiful. Oh, nice. It was really, really great. It was a really smooth process. And, you know, we came to these great, you know, the mural was designed in a certain way. And then when it became on the wall, we're like, okay, we kind of need to expand the design of it. It's so big. Um, the scale was so impressive. And so that was nice. And we were able to like, I was able to like mock it up in a bigger way than actual the design was and that kind of move it around. But then it just felt so like kind of a serendipitous thing that happened because in that space, like um, it was like a block from where my close friends live. Oh, really? And then it was like Hannah Ward had already did the yes. mural there as well. And Do you it know was Hannah? just, yeah, yeah. Um, it was just, and I love her work. It was just a really, yeah, it just felt really good, the process around it. And then at Community Build, where it's behind, there was um, a whole event around like black photography and family um, archives. And I did a talk um, at that as well, which was really, really great. I love when there's opportunities for art. And I think like murals, because they're in public space, like engage people in this way where there's like the participatory aspect to it as well. I think that's one thing I love about Four Freedoms and um, the work that they do is that there's always like that invitation, that Mm -hmm. participatory element. Um, So I feel like it was really just serendipitous how our paths aligned. Um, And then two, our other little connection was this publication, Skew. Through which yeah. they met um, Nika? Anika. Anika. Anika, who wrote this amazing article interviewing you, which um, piqued so much of my interest about um, what you're doing and was actually the basis for a lot of what I want to talk to you about today. Perfect. Yeah. Um, 
Anika is one of my closest friends and, and yeah, so it was just like a very easy conversation and someone who like gets it and understands the work. It's always great to have like a good friend. I actually prefer that sometimes like my friends who like know me because it's not just about what the work looks like, but me yeah. as a person to like for them to write about the work because there's that um, intimate, you know, interaction there too. Yeah, that's always a, a helpful um, dimension to have. Mm-hmm. Art is so personal, you know, and you know, when you're talking about your work with someone, I think it's important to acknowledge that yeah. and all the things, the histories and the experiences, the people that have led up to your art making. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we talk about that, the article, which I'm really interested in, I wanted to talk about voice memos a little bit. Okay. I'm yeah. new recording the voice <laughs> memo podcast. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you've used voice memos historically and um, if it's evolved at all since, um, since you have? Yeah. So I feel like I've used them mostly for recording music in the studio when I don't want to like plug everything in and Ableton and just like, <laughs> I want to like, yeah, I just want to like play live and I'm like kind of doing a thing and that's like what I've usually used them as. But then more recently as I'm working on like more of an album of my music and, um, my own research purposes, it'll just be like also field recordings of things, um, like nature sounds. Um, I've used them to record like practicing singing bowls. Um, if I'm watching, like, I was like watching this documentary about the Paradise Garage in New York, and and there was it was a rare thing where there was an interview with Larry Levan, mm-hmm. who was the DJ there, the resident DJ, and there's not many interviews with him. So like I was watching it, and I recorded him talking about music and his process around the party and music, and using like kind of those things later in in music. But mostly I use it for music. Oh, wow. So has your journey as uh, sort of like a multifaceted artist or like has your journey as like a visual artist and a musician happen simultaneously? Do your processes inform each other or what is the relationship there? Yeah, they're simultaneous. Like, um, I mean, when I was in high school, I had a zine um, about punk and like interviewing bands and stuff. And then when I was, like, 19 or so, I started playing drums in punk bands um, in Florida. And then at that same same time, I was, like, making album covers for my friends or making album covers for my band. And so, like, and learning how to screen print. And um, so it's always been kind of a simultaneously thing that happens, like, to just be kind of more interdisciplinary and, and DJing and also, you know, liking music just being like someone who loves music and and likes to research music and sound and um so yeah they kind of both go hand in hand I can't really do one without the other I definitely see that and relate to sentiments around like wanting or maybe needing even multiple entry points Mm -hmm. to what creates the optimal conditions for you to be creative Mm -hmm. I know everyone has a different approach as far as practice but um, you can't always wait for inspiration to strike. Or what's your evaluation there? Do you have sort of like a, you know, every day I'm going to be working on something? Do you work more in spurts? I work, it depends. Like there's periods of time where I have a deadline, so I'm like yeah. always working. And then there's periods of time where I don't, like I hadn't painted in like three months or something almost. And I just painted like for the first time this past week because I had done oh, so wow. much I made so many paintings last year that it's up. I needed a gestation moment, yeah. and I just moved. 
Um, but for me, different things, different energies get transmuted through different mediums. And so, you know, they're all kind of like, they all feel somatic to me, but, um, yeah, painting releases one thing, like mm-hmm. color and form release something in the painting, but sound and that kind of oral um, release and, and the t- receiving through that also, I think, does something for me and my work in, in the form of like alignment and, yeah. and release and, and transmuting energy. Wow, yeah. I, I, I definitely see that, how like different media can serve different uh, energetic purposes. Mm-hmm. With the recordings in particular, is there anything that you can point to that like indicates to you in a moment like, I want to capture this? No, I can't think of it. Yeah. I'm sure it depends on the situation. Yeah, it depends on the situation. I yeah. actually haven't done it in a while too, though. Yeah, oh, really? So, yeah, I haven't done it in a while. Yeah, I I'm sort of like in and out of it myself as well I think I have this huge archive of voice memos Mm -hmm. and since I started the show I've been more of like a librarian connecting uh collecting other people's memos Mm -hmm. um to like have conversations like this one um but I want to get back into it as well especially too helpful to have like a backup if I know I want to have a conversation with someone yeah well and two like the whole podcast for me has been this exercise in vulnerability because it is really personal to share, you know, a voice memo or recording of some kind, no matter what it is. Mm -hmm. And so I thought it would only be fair if I'm asking other people to engage in that exercise, if I, you know, sometimes (laughs) played a little something for people as well, but I need to get back into it. Um, So as far as the voice memo that you sent me, Aquamarine, can you contextualize um, it for us a little bit? What are we going to be hearing? What is the setting, the characters, if any? Um, so Aquamarine, it's, it was something that I was just thinking about a lot um, during the pandemic. It's, it's a stone and thinking about a lot of stones and their healing property. It's associated with water. It's, it's my niece's birthstone, actually. Um, it's like the March birthstone. And... Um, for me, water and, and that stuff is associated with healing Mm. and, um, processing healing and helping healing to like metabolize, um, and, and helping trauma to metabolize into like a more of a healing thing. I feel like water does that. Um, and so I was, this was like in the beginning of the pandemic and I was just at my studio and just working on music a lot, just like working with tones a lot, not Mm -hmm. really, Mm -hmm lyrics but just tones and like singing and and moving my voice and I had a little bit of voice lessons and trying to practice getting higher getting lower while playing synthesizer and having the drum machine going wow Um, you did all (laughs) yeah I like I was um playing I I never really played with a Moog before what is that it's a it's a type of synthesizer and it was the Moog grandmother um and I never played with that one, and I borrowed it from the Fem Synth Lab, so it was great. So I was able to experiment with that. But on the recording, it's like there's points where it's like really loud because you know I'm experimenting with it, so I'm not sure it's range. So it's really loud, and then it goes low. I don't love. I mean, the recording is just a rough draft, you know. So like yeah. if I was actually recording the song, it wouldn't be that loud in the mix. But because it's 
you know, just being recorded like live in my studio. It's really loud in the mix. Um, I love that we, it's kind we of, get that little snippet. Yeah, it's kind of like a little bit overbearing when I hear it. It feels a little cringy to me, but I also <laughs> like that it is that kind yeah. of jarring. And then it kind of eases up and the song opens up. Um, so, yeah, I was just in my studio. Yeah. That. That's that's really cool to hear. And, too, I love the openness and, and willingness to share, like, the first draft of something. Because I feel like yeah. artists are sometimes, like, very protective over, like, oh, well, you know, this isn't exactly finished yet before, you know, I don't want anyone to see something until it's the finished product. Yeah. When, you know, if there was more or, you know, comfort or, like, normalization around sharing things that are, you know, in a rough draft state, I feel like it would maybe open up more people to feel comfortable um, experimenting, declaiming their artistry if we feel like things don't have to be perfect all the time. And I think I get that from coming from, like, a punk background because so much of it is, like, you just put whatever out there it's like you're doing everything yourself like i'm self-taught like i taught myself to play drums i taught myself how to paint like everything is like you put out like there's so much perfection and imperfection i think now there's a way where like some things can be really polished but some of my favorite songs are the most rough like raw vulnerable like and i'm all about my whole practice is about experimentation and about improvisation Mm -hmm. so um I always put like my process out there, like even if I'm performing a show, like it's not perfect or you might not hear that that same song again at another show because it was just for that. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, so I really enjoy that, like the um, the emotion that it brings up when things are just like not perfect, but yeah. they are they because are, you're exactly. creating them and you're releasing them, you know. I too love the idea of just letting something exist as it is as it does in the moment just like as also an exercise in presencing Mm -hmm. like to know that the way an experience is playing out or the way that you hear a song is like the one time it'll exist in that way Mm -hmm. that you know there's something really grounding I think in that and not like sort of falling into that cycle of like you know uh maybe being uh, overly documentary or overly nostalgic or this habit we all sort of have to um, like document our lives, Mm -hmm. maybe romanticize the past. That's something I struggle with. Yeah. Um, But I couldn't help but notice too that this voice memo shares the same title as um, the visual work, Mm -hmm. Aquamarine. Um, Can you talk a little bit about the relationship between the two pieces? Yeah, well, they're kind of doing a similar thing, um, except the painting is doing it in the form of, like, color and shapes. And um, there's, like, a small photo of um, 90s dance artist Patra on it as well. And um, I think in a lot of my work, I like to put to the forefront, like, black femme healing and um, acknowledging, like, that we've done so much to heal ourselves and to heal each other and to heal people that just get to experience our presence. So um, I try to like bring that into the fold of my work of people like I've been inspired by their music or just their presence, how like healing that is. So um, and the piece. Yeah. So the painting is, yeah, they're kind of in conversation. Yeah.
I was wondering too, in relation to the article that Anika wrote and it about being like about abstract art in particular, I wonder if you considered yourself to like be aligned with that title or genre or if you feel instead that the things that you're passionate about making transcend genre. Yeah, I feel like I'd love to like transcend genre for sure. Um, but I, but I think for like relational purposes, there is a way in which abstraction is really radical, a really radical thing. I was talking to um, my friend Grace Rosario Perkins about this. She's an indigenous artist. She's a painter um, and she works, you know, in abstraction too. Um, and how radical that is, because I think there is something where, you know, depending on what group you're from, people really want this, like, kind of, from black people, I see a lot, this kind of portraiture, this, to tell your story, or to kind of share your trauma, or to, like, you know, um, but I think there's a way in which abstraction is just allowing us to just kind of be, Mm -hmm. and experience liberation through creating it, um, through that type of expression, just being free from any sort of form, or any sort of, like, and, and it, it provides, like, a protection, I feel like, as well. Um, right, because so. it can be, you know, there's this whole uh, sort of two ways of thinking about visibility, right? Like, mm-hmm. maybe the trend in the past 10 years or so has been so much veering towards, well, we need representation, mm-hmm. but not so much thinking about, well, how are the ways that these groups are being made visible being exploited, being extracted, being commodified. And so I think about that a lot too. And I think abstraction offers sort of that like middle point of like, uh, I'm being seen, but not in a way that is like that you could pin down and like take advantage of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and getting the space to giving ourselves permission to do it too, because there are so many like white men, they get the permission to just make a painting that doesn't have their photo and it doesn't have their portrait in it. it's just a piece and they get to like have that space and everyone's like that's so amazing and it's <laughs> like yeah and it's like if we do it's like there's so many questions like is that finished or is that you know and it's like why don't we get to just experience yeah. that kind of freedom as well I mean we know why but um I think doing it is a pushback against that yeah. and it's actually like yeah and it's fun too you know no, definitely. I, I can definitely see that. And what you said, too, about um, sort of the maybe histories around like portraiture from black American artists. And now we're talking about abstraction. It just made me think of um, this exhibition I saw at the Whitney Museum, Jennifer Packard, mm-hmm. um, who's sort of like also experimenting in that space and like the boundaries or you know pushing the the limitations of what portraiture can be in sort mm-hmm. of an abstract way um I really love that yeah um so one other question that I had was as both a visual and musical artist if like synesthesia has any place in your work yeah it does and you know what (laughs) it mostly comes from like other people saying that they've experienced it through my work oh like they hear one of your songs and I'm like yeah but I think it does just inherently happen to me as well I guess I just don't like think of it in that way but um but I've had other people like like say that same thing to me about the work um and 
yeah, so there is there is something there. I haven't fully like you know thought about it and and processed it yet or, or seen how or why it's kind of manifested, but. Yeah, yeah, that's such an interesting ground suit where I don't personally experience anesthesia, mm-hmm. but um, like I can definitely see how, like having listened to the memo and your music, how like, you know, it could elicit that. Yeah. And someone whose mind like processes that way. Yeah, I think it can make people have it happen to them, yeah. I think, in, in some sort of way. I don't know if I necessarily experience it. It's how I see the world and, and my connection to like nature and um being and the way that I learn and the way that I process things and um that's just what the work manifests as but I've had a few people tell me that that's what they experience happens to them when they see it we just have to listen a few more times (laughs) (laughs) that's what I can hope um okay so I I have only a couple more questions left really flying through this um one of the quotes I loved from Anika's article is that you um and she's talking about you here understands one of her roles to be memory keeper and her practice is a means of resisting the dilution of time so I was wondering um with that quote if you have any sort of like evaluation to offer around time as this fourth dimensional aspect to art making which I feel like we sort of talked about in terms of like how it can be presencing and grounding. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I was just curious about that and um, how you relate to what she said. Yeah, it's like on one hand, I know that for me, time isn't really real. And like, what is time? And time is kind of colonized. And, yeah, you know, it's like, what is time? What are we keeping track of? And I think as far as my work and my practice what what Aneka is kind of speaking to in that and like we're having the conversation and that is as someone who's like second generation third generation from someone who came here from another country but I also have family who's from here who's from Florida for generations as well and um, just the kind of memories that get lost the photos that get lost and like the legacy that gets kind of lost it's like it matters and it doesn't you know but I definitely feel like it's kind of I'm just one of those people in my family that it's like one of my calls to like um, extract those memories bring them out remind people of things and like bring people together through them Um, and not have that like I feel like America is a place that you know people come and you kind of like trade in their culture for capitalism you know, and that's just by necessity for a lot of people. And that's what some people really want to do, you know, and then you go into this whole thing. But I feel like there's a lot of loss with that. And it's a lot of spiritual loss. Um, And so I kind of like through my work is like finding my way back to those things, because maybe those people still aren't around, they've passed away. But I have photos I have letters I have stories that my you know aunts have told me stories that my mom has told me about these people so how do I bring them into like my practice and keep you know archive that like their spiritual energy um and really honor that and like honor a legacy so that's kind of the way that I you know see that as yeah wow and what a full circle moment to come back to hear her here which I feel like was so much about that archival practice calling that in Mm -hmm. I (laughs) I really just like see everything that you're saying manifest so much and especially the bit about like 
trading in the culture for capitalism like that that version that illusion of like the american dream and forgetting like in spite of the pursuit of opportunity that like our ancestors came here with like acknowledging also what was lost the spiritual loss yeah. in in you know um that was forgone in 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 pursuing that opportunity so yeah um i think that's that's really powerful uh the last question i have if you can believe it or <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's been so great to talk to you um and this is a perfect question for you uh every episode of this podcast has an accompanying playlist that sort of draws from the themes of that particular episode. Mm-hmm. And so I was wondering if you could recommend any songs for the playlist for this episode. What? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, if none come to mind at the moment, I can follow up with you about it later. It, it is hard to be. It's so hard to, like, yeah. get, you know, the, the names on the spot because obviously I have so many songs. Um... um I mean, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, no worries. Um, I love Amore's, um, obviously that song, Sad Girls Love Money. Yes. That's oh, I love that song class. and the remix too. Yeah, the remix is great. Um, I love um, the Jamaican dance artist Marcy Chin's song Street Fighter. That's mm. a song I've been listening to a lot lately. Um, I love the Jersey Club musician unique her album that just came out and she has like an ep that just came out oh, cool. i think it's called heartbeats it's really good i've been listening to that a lot lately um yeah there's a oh there's a um Susie analog produced a song for jungle pussy called too deep that song is so great. That's like from is a Is that off the new project? No, it's not off the new project, but she did do something on the new project. I just haven't gotten a chance to listen to that album yet. This one, this song is from like 2019. Um, oh, but okay. I feel like I heard it more recently and I haven't uh, heard I it. I mean, she's it. just got like, Susie Analog just, is just genius and has so many gems that you could just go back and find all the things. And then her collaborations, like so um, prioritizing like Black Femme collaborations. And it's just really... Um, amazing and inspiring so i've just been listening to yeah oh my gosh i feel like you've you've already given us so many gems even (laughs) off the top of your head i love jungle pussy i was just so excited to see her go on tour with tame impala oh yeah and just like wow like just it's so big so big and for her to be playing like in barclays as like a new york native just i don't know love love her love her work well Thank you so much, Aidy, for being here. Is there anything you want to shout out um, while while we are here? I know you mentioned a project that you're that you were working on today, but I don't know if that's like uh, if it's too soon to share. I don't even remember. <laughs> oh, like with, so with NTS. Oh yeah, I'm. I am every month, like towards the end of the month, I'm doing. Uh, I'm sitting in for my friend Sasha for her show Miss Modular on NTS, and um, it's interviewing a like um, femme, trans, like queer artist, um, musicians or artists about their practice, and then having them 
um, select some songs or do a mix for it. Um, and then talking with them a little bit, like small, like 10 minute interviews. So that show is coming out, um, this Thursday, tomorrow at 7 PM. And I am interviewing my friend, uh, Grace Rosario Perkins, who is a native artist who's really amazing painter, um, and has a show opening up at Mocha Tucson on April 2nd. Oh, so, fabulous. Yeah, so I like kind of doing it before yeah, good timing. her show. So we had a really great conversation about painting and music. And yeah, so that'll okay, be Okay, well, point. everyone definitely go check that out. Uh, and you said it's going to be monthly too, right? It's going to be monthly and all the shows are archived too. Perfect. So yeah, this show, will be, it'll be live on Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, but then... In the next few days, it'll be like archived. Okay, on wonderful. Their yeah. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, we'll catch you next time on new recording. Bye.